Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. So let me, uh, let me start off by reading a super fun verse for us all. <clears throat> Titus 2, verse 9 says this, Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything. To try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can fully be trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. Uh, this verse uh, is very unsettling for, for many of us. Um, if, if, we believe, if we believe that God exists, we don't want him to teach this. Uh, we, we, want, we want God to say something like, um, something like slavery is evil, and uh, the deepest, darkest places of hell are reserved for people who practice it. That's, that's what we want to read in the Bible somewhere, or we want, we want to see, but the Bible doesn't say that, and it doesn't even come close. Um, and in fact, the Bible never comes out and condemns slavery, and for many of us, we find that appalling and ridiculous, and we don't like it. Uh, we, want, we want God to tell slave masters, um, if, if you guys become a Christian, then you have to release all your slaves. And he doesn't do that. Um, he doesn't do that. So, what are we to do with verses like these? Like, if... if if I'm a black person living in this nation in the 1800s, wouldn't, wouldn't this command, wouldn't, wouldn't this verse that we're reading, wouldn't, wouldn't it seem, um, I don't know, ridiculous? <laughs> uh, wouldn't it seem uh, like a slap in the face? Uh, listen again, listen again. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything. In everything. Uh, and again, if I'm a, again, if I'm living back there, I'm like, are you serious? And try to please them. Are you for real? <laughs> are you for real? So for me, it will lead to lots of questions like, does God care about me? Or does God see me? Or does, does God know about what the situation that I'm in? Because certainly if he did, he would say something different than what he's saying here. Uh, he couldn't see me. Because if he did, he would never allow anything like this to be in the Bible. So many of you guys know that slave owners would often use verses like these as a way to justify whatever they did to manipulate slaves. Often slaves couldn't read. So slave owners would take it upon themselves to read the Bible to their slaves. And these were verses that they would find. Um, they would read them to, uh, to their slaves to try to get them to, to do... Uh, to do what they wanted them to do. And uh, <clears throat> how sad. How sad. Many of you guys know that in our culture today, a verse like, a verse like this one, a verse like uh, Titus 2.9, uh, this is the deal breaker. This is the deal breaker. A verse like this shows how irrelevant the Bible is, how we can't be trusted, how we can't pay attention to it, we don't, we don't have to listen to it. Uh, the kind of, or, or, or this, or this. The kind of God that will put this in the Bible is not the kind of God that I want to worship, so I'm out. Thank you very much. I don't want any part of that. And God, a God who allows something like this 
It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. And when we say things like that, we imagine that we care about people more than God does. I want you to think about that question. Do you care about people more than God does? I mean, we, we assume, you know, you assume that you do because you're willing to condemn, condemn slavery and God doesn't seem to be willing to do that. Uh, throughout history, I mean, you guys know that throughout history of mankind, the words of the Bible have consistently been used to, to give ourselves permission to do whatever we wanted to do. Um, we, we, we read the Bible um, only when we want, you know, only when we're trying to look for our permission to do what we feel like doing. Um, things that we want to, we want to, we want to get away with. And I do this, I do this sometimes. I mean, and I don't have to tell you that this approach to the Bible is ridiculous and it's wrong. It's gross. It's, 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 it's not what the Lord intended. Um, so few things though seem more ridiculous than the idea of slave masters using verses like, 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 like this to justify just horrific behavior. Um, I want to, I want to share an example with you. Uh, so the book Unchained, uh, Unchained Memories is a compilation of reports by people who experienced uh, slavery, eyewitnesses to what slavery was like. Um, so I want to read to you a quote from a man named William Moore, uh, was born a slave uh, to the Waller family in Selma, Alabama, deep south. So, <clears throat> and it's a little rough. William says, Master Tom was a man for meanness. He just about had to beat somebody every day to satisfy his craving. He had a big bullwhip and he'd stake an inward on the ground and make another inward hold his head down with his mouth in the dirt and, and whip the inward till the blood ran out and read up the ground. We little inwards stand around and see it done. Then he'd tell us, run to the kitchen and get some salt from Jane. That was my mammy. She was the cook. He'd sprinkle salt in the cut, open, uh, open places, and the skin jerk and quiver and the man slobber and puke. Then his shirt stick to his back for a week or more. It doesn't take but a, a casual reading of the Bible to say this kind of behavior, the Bible would never, ever, ever justify. You, you, you don't have to be a pastor or a priest or anything. You, in fact, this kind of, this, that kind of behavior makes God angry. <laughs> On the edge of his seat, kind of angry. You, you never want to make God angry like that. And slave masters would read the Bible and give themselves permission to do things like this. Clearly, they don't care about God and they only want to do what they want to do. And to say that this is wrong is an understatement. So if slaves are going to be treated this way, why do we have verses all throughout the New Testament, all throughout the Bible that tell slaves to submit to their masters? Why doesn't God do what we want him to do and say, hey, slavery is evil. Don't do it. Why doesn't he do that? Why doesn't he do that? And I have to admit, I don't know all the reasons why God doesn't come out and condemn slavery clearly in the Bible. But I do know this. I do know this. I do know this. Two things. Let me say this. God loves people more than me. Like, I like to get super religious and pretend that I love people more than God, but God loves people more than me. Second, God knows more than me. God knows more than me. And if he does something that I don't like or I disagree with, it's because he knows something that I don't. No. So for a few minutes, I want to, I want, I want, 
I want to do something. I want us to expand our view about what the Bible says about slavery. Um, and, and it's not the things that are on the front end when you hear verses about slavery. So I'm, I'm hoping that it, it expands all of our view. I'm expanding mine as I was getting ready for this. I was hoping it expands our view about what the Bible says about slavery um, in a couple of different ways. So first thing, first thing, first thing. First thing we should mention, and I've said this before, all slavery um, is not equal. Slavery was practiced all throughout the ancient world, but not all slavery was the same. There are different categories of slavery. And let me, so let me say this. Let me say this. Let me share a few different categories, of different types of slavery with you. So first, there were people who became slaves as a way to pay off debt. And maybe, maybe that sounds familiar to you. You got into credit card debt and now you're a slave and you got to go to work and you got to pay off. There was no credit cards back then, obviously. People would get into debt. And so in order to pay their debts back, they would voluntarily make themselves a slave to whoever they owed money to for a certain time period. And after that time period was over, they would be free. Maybe that's one reason why God didn't condemn slavery outright in the Bible. Number two, number two. Next, there are people who became slaves when their city or their state was conquered by another group of people. So a famous, um, a famous example of this from history is uh, Messina, a, a Greek city, a Greek city-state that's conquered by Sparta, and then that city's forced to meet the needs of Sparta's military culture. Third group I want to mention to you is the slavery called chattel slavery. Um, and this is the kind that we're most familiar with. Um, there are, there, and there are several ways a person would become a chattel slave. Basically, uh, you could be born into this kind of slavery. Um, if your nation or city or state was conquered by another nation, then that army often would take all the people who survived that fight and they would sell them to whoever was the highest bidder. Or people would kidnap people regularly. They would kidnap you, take you to a faraway place, and then sell you to the highest bidder. Sell you to the highest bidder. Obviously, awful, awful. So when the Bible uses the word slavery, know that not all slavery is equal, and it's most definitely not referring to the kind of behavior that I just referenced earlier in my message. So next, um, next thought in regards to expanding our view of what the Bible says about slavery is this. And, and this, this, was, this, was, this, was, this was new for me. Selling people into slavery is forbidden in the Bible. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Listen to this. Whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Now that's the verse we can get behind. I'm like, woo, yeah. That's the one I like. Where's that one been my whole life? That's Old Testament though. So I'm gonna bring it up for those of you guys who like the New Testament better. <clears throat> Read this. Uh, <laughs> We also know that the law isn't made for godly people. It is made for those who break the law. It is for those who refuse to obey. It is for ungodly and sinful people. It is for those who aren't holy and don't believe it. It is for those who kill their fathers or mothers. It's for murderers. It is for those who commit sexual sins. It's for those who commit homosexual acts. It's for, those, it's for people who buy and sell slaves. It is for liars. It is for people who tell lies in court. It is for those who are witness to things that aren't true. And it is for anything else that is opposite of true teaching. You can bet that these aren't the verses that slave owners were reading to their slaves. I, I know my history people probably know this. Do you know 
how most of the black people got here? Like most of the people that, black people that end up in slavery, do you know how they got here? Kidnapped, stolen, tricked, bullied. And any real honest reading of the Bible would have never allowed for American slavery, which is mind boggling to, 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 to think about. And it's beyond ridiculous that slave owners could quote the Bible and ignore verses like these when they're buying slaves at slave auctions. Wouldn't it have been fun? Before we start the slave auction, we, let's just start off with a quick verse from, um, uh, from Exodus. Any, any, whoever who steals a man and sells him or anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. That's in the Bible. Okay, let's start the bidding. It's mind-boggling how people throughout, throughout, throughout life use the Bible to make themselves be able to do whatever they want to do. Whatever they want to do. Third, third thing, third thing to expand our view with the slavery in the Bible is that all people, and you guys know this, all people are valued equal in God's sight. So one of the reasons that slavery existed so long in this country is it's built on the lie that black people aren't as valuable as white people. And you, you look throughout history and you see this, you, you see our, that all throughout our history, slaves are not fully human. So that gives me permission to treat them like animals. Any casual reading of the Bible would not allow. It's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing, right? So we've been going through the book of Titus, and Titus was originally a letter written by a man named Paul. And in some of Paul's other writings, he goes out of the way to say this. He says, I don't care what gender you are. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what your status is. Everybody's one in Christ. He says it like this. For all, all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor there is male or female, for you are all one in Christ. Masters, read that to your slaves. We can't appreciate how radical this is when Paul writes this. We, 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 have, we, have, we have no idea how, how radical it was. Imagine this. Imagine being a preacher in the 1800s preaching to your all-white Southern congregation, and, and, you, and you say this out loud. You say, hey, check it out. There's neither slave nor free. You are all one in Christ. Okay, masters, go preach that to your slaves. If you got fired, you'd be lucky because they might kill you, right? They might kill you. Maybe the reason that God didn't get rid of slavery is because he wanted to take the crappy relationships that we put in place and redeem them for his glory that would last forever. Forever. Connected to that. Connected to that idea. Connected to the equality of slaves to their masters. Um, slaves being equal to their masters. Are the instructions for masters and people in power to submit to those they lead all throughout the Bible. All throughout the Bible. So, um... When, when talking about the Bible's commands for different people, different people groups um, to submit, my, my friend, my mentor, uh, retired U of M professor Elton Higgs once wrote this. This is brilliant. He says, New Testament admonitions to submit are balanced by instructions 
to those being submitted to, to masters, urging them to act with tenderness, compassion, and loving care towards those under their authority, seeking always to build them up and affirm their value, never to exercise authority in a demeaning or self-exalting way. In other words, in the body of Christ, those in authority, husbands, elders, parents, slave owners, employers, are to bend over backwards to encourage the de- development of all the potential in those they have responsibility for. This is an amazing statement based on this, based on Bible verses like this. Listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. Again, mind-blowing. Casual, casual reading of the Bible could take us to this. Slaves, obey your masters. Be eager to give them your very best. Serve them as you would Christ. Now, we, they probably heard that a lot. Four verses away from that, they didn't hear this, though. And you slave owners must treat your slaves right, just as I have told them to treat you. Let's back up and remember what, the, what, what he said to slaves. Slaves, obey your masters and be eager to give them your very best. Slave owners, do that same thing. Do that same thing. Don't keep threatening them. Remember, you, yourself, you yourselves are slaves to Christ. You have a master you have the same master they do, and he has no favorites. That would have been good news to hear back then, right? <laughs> they would have liked to hear it. <laughs> were masters, uh, <laughs> were, there, were these verses being read to slaves in the 1800s? <laughs> were they being read by masters at all? Probably not, and here's why, here's why, here's why, here's why. Most men, most of us couldn't care less what the Bible says about anything unless we're justifying what we want to do. And I want you to consider this. What if a slave owner, what if a slave owner read these verses in Ephesians, read these verses and decided, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. What if a slave owner in the 1800s read this verse? He said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to live up to this. I'm going to make this real in my life. I'm going to follow the commands of Christ. I'm going to treat my slaves like like they were my own brothers and sisters. I'm going to treat them like they should be treated because I know that I have a master of my own. How, How do I want him to treat me? That's how I'm going to treat my slaves. 200 years ago, 200 years ago, in the year 1821, what if one man, one, one white slave owner decided to do this? What if one, one decided to do this? Think about how that would change the world. Think about what, what that would look like. And, and, and I'll say this to you, even though you might not like it, even though you might not like it. 200 years ago, 200 years ago, to set your slaves free would have been a death sentence for many of them. To set your slaves free would have been dangerous for most of them, and they would have been captured by somebody else. They'd have been killed. They'd have starved to death. Something like that. But but what if what if instead of this? What if instead of setting them free, a slave a slave master said, "You know what? I'm gonna make this place amazing. I'm gonna lay my I'm gonna make myself a slave to my slaves." All his friends would have been like, "Dude, you are out of your mind." 
What if instead of setting his slaves free, he went out of his way serving them, making sure they were safe and lived well and, and sacrificed for them and protected them? That would be a powerful statement to the world that people wouldn't believe. They wouldn't be able to believe it. They wouldn't be able to believe it. So a slave named Millie Williams was quoted as saying this. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is great. Uh, <clears throat> right after I was sold to Master Dunn, there was a big uprising in Tennessee, and it was about, it was about the union. I don't know what it was all about, but they wanted Master Dunn to take some kind of oath, and he wouldn't do it. And he had to leave Tennessee. He said they would make, they would take the slaves away from him. So he brought me and Sally Armstrong, another slave, to Texas. There he traded us to Tommy Ellis for some land. Listen to what she says here. That Master Ellis, he's the best white man that ever lived. He was so good to us, we was better off than when we were free. That's crazy talk. That's crazy talk. If there must be slavery, then Christ intends that every master would be a master Ellis so that it treats his slaves so extravagantly that even if he came one day and opened up the gate and said, hey, everybody, you guys can go on, go, go about your business wherever you guys want to go. They're like, heck no, we're staying here. We've got it made. This is the best place. I don't want to be free. I want to be your slave. That's crazy talk. But that that is what Christ was intending for masters. If you're a master of anybody, that's how you should treat your slaves so that they don't want to leave even if they could. And when masters choose to make themselves slaves of their slaves, it speaks crazy things to the world. And just think about this. In 1820, if one man was willing to do this, one man was willing to do this, That's the kind of relationship that makes much of Christ. And certainly that's what we're responsible to do, to make much of Christ. Radical Jesus followers that do the opposite of what the world around us is doing. So 200 years ago, if I'm a slave and I read Titus 2.9, teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them. Let me ask you this. Does God intend me to obey this teaching? 1821? I'm going to say something you don't like, right? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. In the book of Genesis, there's a story of a man named Joseph who's kidnapped by his brother, sold into slavery. Wrong. Awful. And when Joseph finds himself in a life of slavery, he practices Titus 2.9, thousands, you know, thousands of years before two, Titus 2.9 is written, he's practicing Titus 2.9. He tries to please his master and earn his trust. And eventually God elevates Joseph to a place where he, could, he never could have imagined It's second in command of the entire nation. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. To have, just think, think about this. And if you're not liking what I'm saying, think about this. Would, he saves tons of lives because he gets elevated to that. Would that have happened if he was not willing to practice Titus 2.9? So 200 years ago, if I'm a slave and I read Titus 2.9, would God want me to obey this teaching? here's, Here's the answer you like. Maybe not. Maybe not. 
In the book of Genesis, the nation of Israel are slaves and they are being treated incredibly cruelly. So God shows up and says, guess what, guys? Enough is enough. Let's go. And they leave their slave masters altogether. Altogether. In a previous message, we talked about... Um, talked about the idea of a submission in marriage. And, and I hope that I made it clear that any spouse who's in a marriage where some kind of abuse is going on should do what they can to get somewhere safe. Should, should do what they can to get, to get away from that, that kind of context. That kind of behavior must be dealt with with discipline and control of, of both civil and church authorities. Whoever can get involved to help make that happen, they should get involved. I don't think that, I don't think that the abuse of slaves by their masters is any different. Why would, why would we think that would be different? If a slave could escape and help reform that kind of behavior, I have no doubt that God would be like, yes. But the behavior of all the masters was not the same. And even though we typically only hear about the most awful, ridiculous circumstances, there were some cases where God would have expected a slave to, sub, to be subject to their masters in everything. And there are some cases where God would have expected slaves to run for their lives. All that being said, I want you to consider this. I want you to consider this. I want you to consider this. If you are a Jesus follower, Jesus, and, and, and again, this is another reason why maybe God doesn't say, take out the word slavery from the Bible. If you're a Jesus follower, God intends you to be a slave. If you are a Jesus follower, God intends you to be a slave. It's because if you're a Jesus follower, you must voluntarily become his slave. Once when Jesus' closest followers are arguing over who gets to be first in line, he says this, he says this, he says, you know that foreign rulers like to rule over people, rule or order, order people around and their great leaders have full power over everyone they rule, but don't act like them. If you want to be great, you must be the servant of all the others. And if you want to be first, you must be the slave of all the rest. The son of man did not come to be a slave master, but a slave who will give his life to rescue people. Man, that would have been great 200 years ago to hear about. So based on slavery, what, based on what you know about slavery, let me ask you this. Let me ask you just a few quick, quick questions. When you're a slave, who gets to decide what job you have? Who gets to decide your income? Who gets to decide what you wear and what you eat and where you live? The, the master gets to decide all those things. The master decides every one of those things. So maybe, just maybe, the reason why God says, I'm not going to take that out because guess what? Every one of you are supposed to voluntarily come to me and be my slaves. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. You can either really be a slave to me, which is going to be awesome. It's going to be like Master Ellis. You're going to be like, I don't even want to leave this. Or you can be a slave to sin and yourself. And it's going to be whack. It's going to be bad. And he won't force you to be a slave. He came to set you free. He came to set you free. He wants you to freely make yourself his slave and if you do, you will be saying what Millie Williams said about her master. He's so good that we better off being his slave than being free. I'd love for you to decide. Think about that today.
Are you willing to freely make yourself his slave? To start every, your, and maybe just start with this week. Start every every morning this week. Master, what you want me to do? What you want me to do today? I'm your slave. Tell me what you want me to do. Give him a little bit of time to tell you. And maybe you won't hear. Maybe you won't hear anything. Maybe you don't know anything. But did you start your you start your day and you say, Master, what do you want me? How do you, how do you want what what do you want done? What do you want done today? Would you be willing to make yourself his slave? We're going to take communion together to, and I'd love for you just to think about that question as you take communion together. Certainly, <clears throat> that's, that's the relationship. That's part of the relationship that we have with him. I'd love for you to pray about that and think about that. And if you've never, if you've never decided to turn your life over to him and make yourself a slave of Jesus Christ, then I want to invite you I want to invite you to do that so that he can set you truly, he can, he can help you know what true freedom is all about. Let's pray together and then uh, we'll take communion and then I'll, I'll, I'll close this up. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.